What is innovation really? And can we create it simply, especially in critical situations? Welcome to Reinventors. With me, Anissa Goshi and Thomas Lantala by The Crisis Compass, where we hear from entrepreneurs, activists, business leaders, and inspiring minds from all walks of life about reinvention in challenging times. Whether you're leading large teams, small organizations, or are struggling with dilemma decisions, personally and professionally, this podcast is for you. Welcome to Reinventors with today's guest, Fawn Hutchins. My name is Thomas from the Crisis Compass, and I'm here with Anissa, also from the Crisis Compass. Hi, Anissa. Hello, hello. Fawn Hutchins, VP of Global Content at Money 2020, where she oversees content and campaign strategy across brands. Hi, Fawn. Welcome. Hello. Thank you for having me. Delighted to be here. It's an absolute pleasure to have you. I'd like to know a little bit more about you, but I know that Anissa is, uh, there's a question that Anissa has for you. So I'll give her the word first. Um, shoot, Anissa. Yes, thank you so much. Uh, Fawn, it's so great to have you. Really exciting. Um, and thanks for being with us um, today. It's always hard to summarize long winding journeys with many twists and turns um, like yours, um, especially also when you know the person and have been along um, that journey with them. Uh, as is my case and privilege um, with you. Uh, but you recently actually guest hosted the Open Banking Excellences Global State of Play panel. And I think they did a pretty good job of doing that, of summarizing briefly <laughs> your long um, career. So I'm borrowing quickly. Um, so before discovering the world of FinTech, you were an entrepreneur, retail insider and brand builder in your roles at 82nd and 1st World Retail Congress, Unwired and EMAP, which is now essential. Um, you've worked with some of the world's leading brands. In fact, I'd go as far as saying you've worked with most of the world's leading brands. Um, would be too many to mention, but everyone would know them. You have collaborated, spoken to and interviewed some of the most interesting, innovative and clever individuals on the planet. Um, and for the last couple of years, you've turned your attention and talent to working with the hottest uh, startups in banking and finance. My first question for you is, last year, most industries needed to digitize and do so very fast, um, including your own industry in the event sector. So how did the last year change the way that you conduct your business? Um, and simultaneously, I think I, but also I think a lot of our listeners would find very interesting to hear how your clients who already operated uh, with agility uh, in the digital realm every single day, what challenges and adaptations did you observe them have to go through? How did they have to adapt and reinvent in the past year? Well, very good questions. Where to begin? Um, obviously, the pandemic was slightly disastrous for the, the live events industries, but it really required us to push ourselves into unknown territory and do the things that we've been talking about for a long time. We talked about digitizing for a long time, but we're busy running events and kind of never gotten around to it. And then it was like, shit, we've got to do it. You know, we don't have a choice here. Um, I don't want to use that overused word of 2020, but it was all about pivoting um, mm -hmm. and being agile. And we had a lot of new things to learn. So, you know, we built an entirely new digital product. Uh, we made some money from it, which was great. Uh, in a year when there wasn't a whole lot of money being made, uh, mm -hmm. people really liked it. And it opened a whole new world of collaboration for us, both internally and, and externally. And it was a, a great way to end the year on a high, uh, very needed, I think. But um, 
yeah, it taught us a lot of things. And now it has become part of our, our strategy moving forward because we know that the world has shifted. We know that people are consuming content in different ways and we have to cater for that need. That's not going away. Um, I think live events will be more important than ever, but I think people will be more selective and they will go because what we're giving them can't be seen on you know, a, a Zoom screen. But in the meantime, we still have to give them content in ways that they can access from home because we're all still at home. So mm -hmm. it's going to be a hybrid strategy moving forward. Um, but in, in terms of your question around our clients, yes, we're, we're very fortunate that our clients kind of live in that digital space. A lot of them, especially the, the young fintechs, but we also work with a lot of big incumbents, you know, banks, et cetera, who aren't as agile. And I think the interesting story that's come out uh, from 2020 would be partnerships, this idea around collaboration, uh, kind of partner or, or perish at this point, because everyone has something else that someone else wants, whether it's customers or the infrastructure and or trust, you know, a lot of these young challenger banks aren't as well known, you know, most of us, we may not like our banks, but we trust them to get the job done. Mm -hmm. They've been around forever. So this idea that the big and the small are having to collaborate to really um, answer the questions and the services that consumers need today. So it's been a really interesting journey. What, what really strikes me about what you're saying is, is, is certainly two things. I mean, one is that also companies and, and well, whether it's startup or, or established content companies who are already considered being quite advanced and in a way, a couple of steps ahead are not immune to a crisis like we've experienced last year. So even, even these companies are, are in a way forced to reinvent or look, look for different options and different ways. And that brings me to the second thing that I found super interesting of what you're saying is because we see the same thing. It's this, the corporations, it's, it's, it's just a different way of, of getting resources um of really of not only looking within yourself but also finding okay where can i actually get what i need for this or who, who and what what do i have to give what do i have to offer so it's a very different way of of looking well a little bit beyond your own your own scope and see who you could work with um and this whole collectiveness is is actually a key issue in coming through crisis or situations like we've just experienced or still experiencing actually um so that's that's very fascinating um did you find that that this was there was immediately an openness there for corporations like this, or was that a bit of looked at a bit of time before people opened up for that? Yeah, I think I think it became very apparent very quickly that it was kind of do or die, and, mm -hmm. and you know, financial services is nothing but <laughs> out out to win, right? It's kind of a ruthless industry. So when we first we're in lockdown one here in the UK. We, we launched a, a campaign called FinTechs Fight Back. And we said, we really want to know what you're doing to survive. And we'd never experienced the kind of engagement with our customers that we got from this campaign. We were having people submit stories every single day talking about what they were doing to help their customers, what they were doing with partners across the industry to make sure that consumers had access to funds. I mean, you look at kind of some of the stuff that was happening in the States around the PPP loans, it, it was a little bit of a disaster, right? But so many amazing partnerships to make sure that money got into the hands of people who really needed it to, to get through difficult times. So super inspiring. And, you know, we were getting stories from all over the world. So I think it was, it was an opportunity 
to make some money, which of course in financial services, no one's going to turn down, uh, but also, you know, survival was important. And, and I think this idea that more than ever, the industry exists to help people and, you know, finances is the most important thing that we're talking about in, in a pandemic. So how could they make the situation better for people? I think that was a bit of a wake up call as well, which was really nice to see. Yeah, I mean, at the core of it all, there there are people, and and we 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 experience this. And I mean, you you said it that it's it's yeah, it, it's inspiring. It also shows us that we can actually do it. And I think that's that's just really yeah, it's also promising because we we see new sides to each other, and we it becomes also in a way a nice combination of the professional and personal sphere, which uh, which might lead me to my next question because I said initially I'm, I'm of course. Uh, I'm very curious and listeners also a bit about your own way, right? So Anissa mentioned already like probably only a few points of the achievements that you've had in your career. But um, when you look back and we like to do this, um, well, with, with people we work with, I've done it personally. It's with all these turning points, these moments that yeah, shape us in one way or the other, uh, whether it's externally induced or our own decisions. So if you look back, at your life, um, what would you say are some of those key turning points and what made them turning points? So I think the first one was that I never expected to be in events and I've now been in events for about a dozen or so years. Um, and like Anissa, I studied international relations. I had, you know, big dreams of going to work for the UN or an NGO or the White House. And, and that just didn't happen. I, I was finishing my master's degree right when the 2008 crisis hit. I remember spending about six months putting over 300 job applications in and about 13 different countries related to my degree with, with no impact, which was you know, a wake up call for me. Like you've got to pay your bills. So what can you do in the meantime? And I had to survive. So I saw a job advert for events in production. I was like, okay, I can research, I can write. I'm good with people. I can do this. And, and I did, but of course I thought it was going to be short term. I didn't think this was going to be my career, but every step of the way, when I tried to leave events, it was like the other doors just weren't opening for me. So I kind of had to accept that this might've not have been the career that I would have chosen for myself, but it chose me. And, and it's actually been really good to me. And I've been able to meet incredible people and learn from amazing individuals and see the world. Uh, so I can't complain. I think that would be one of the key, first key turning points for me. And then um, there, was, there was probably a six week period when I was 27, when I had to start over completely. Um, I left my marriage. I left my job. I started a business. I moved house. Like all of the most stressful things that you can possibly do <laughs> in a life, I did in about six weeks, which I wouldn't recommend. It was probably it was probably not one of the best moves that I made at the time, but it was um, it was a real defining life moment for me. It's one of those moments when you you think you're probably at rock bottom, and you have to dig deep to see what you're made of. Um, and whenever I think I can't do something now, I go back to that time, and I remind myself that I am made of iron, and that if I can do that, I can do anything. So I would say those were two big defining moments in my life and kind of changed the shape of my life, as it were. 
And I, I'm, I'm keeping the word. I can't help it, Anissa. I have to ask the question that that brings us all in a way, in, in a way here. Um, well, the podcast is called Reinventors, and you know a little bit about our work. And for us, reinvention and the reinventors mindset is a is a core element to how we we work with crisis management. Uh, what is reinvention for you? Oh, I think it's saying, <laughs> how can I do this better? How can I be better? And then having the courage to actually do something about it. Reinvention is, is action. And I think it is, you know, those two things go hand in hand. I think it reinvention is the key to success and fulfillment, even when it's the hardest thing that you've ever done. Um, and and it's, uh, it's something, I know you, ha you had the question around, like, is there a trigger there? Is there something that triggers reinvention when we were talking about this before we went on air? And, and I'm, I think there's probably triggers for people, but at this point in my life, I kind of, it, it's almost a reflex. Whenever I get a little bit stuck, I ask myself, how can I be doing this better? How, how can I be better? And, and it's kind of a mantra because I think we should be constantly looking to, to reinvent ourselves and always be learning and always be moving forward. And if, if you're not making that a part of, of your routine, and it's very easy to become complacent and and I don't like complacency so <laughs> it's a constant thing for me and action is hard sometimes yes yes it really is I think you know it takes a lot of courage to to be active in your reinvention and you have to be you have to know yourself and mm -hmm. it's also a part of getting to know yourself as well and sometimes being active, period, is hard too, you know. <laughs> and I'm not talking, especially you know, in lockdown. A, <laughs> especially in lockdown, and not in the just the physical sense and everything else. But um, yeah, um, inaction is a real thing too. And sometimes we do get frozen. And um, but even inaction, you know, I was we were having another conversation with um, uh, a previous guest actually um, in a podcast. Um, who used to be very high up in Sony as well. So um, a power woman, just like you, um, that sometimes not making a decision is a decision and inaction is also an action, you know? Um, and all those things that happen in life and what you do and what you don't, don't do and the decisions you do take or don't take, um, ultimately there's always another side to it and they do eventually lead somewhere. Absolutely. And I, and I like that point that you made about sometimes it is about inaction and, and saying, actually, I'm not going to do anything about this. I need to, to wait it out and I need to ride it out and, you know, and see what happens. And, and I think in this last year, when things have been a little bit crazy in action, in that sense, has been just as important because mm. sometimes it's like, there's nothing that I can do right now. And there's nothing any of us that can do. And we're just going to have to wait and see. And it's an exercise in, in patience. Mm -hmm. um, but it's so it's also just as important as the action part of it. Absolutely. So what's happening in the fintech world now, this year, so far? Oh, oh God, so many things. <laughs> Where to begin? I think um, everyone's just trying to, to get back on track. Like I said, that, that partnership piece is something that at Money 2020 we're really looking into. I mean, digitization is, of course, the buzzword on, on everyone's lips, but, you know, massive for us in, in, in fintech and, and banking and whatnot. Um, but also, you know, this whole shift in us uh, and consumer behavior, et cetera, how we pay 
also brings up a lot of questions around security and fraud and data, mm-hmm. you know, and these aren't sexy topics, but they're really important topics. Mm-hmm. So how as an industry are, are we going to tackle that? Because uh, it's very important that we're keeping people safe as, you know, as we're trying to take the industry forward and, and service their needs. Mm-hmm. So I think we're going to be seeing a, a lot of talk around that this year. Definitely make or break points for sure. Yes, absolutely. Um, Fawn, one final thing before we leave you. Um, we are currently, as we've alluded a number of times during this conversation, in a lockdown with no deadline here in the UK. Um, what are you reading or listening to or doing or cooking or, I don't know, whatever it is, an activity or something that you um, are really getting benefit from right now that you might want to share, you know, and perhaps um, recommend to others too, um, to keep going, to keep motivated and to continue taking it a step at a time. Absolutely. So I'm, I'm still working out, still going out on the freezing cold balcony three times a week to spend an hour doing some stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's really important for mental health to make sure that you're trying to keep active because most of the day we are sitting inside these four walls and going mm-hmm. a little bit stir crazy. So that's, that's key. I'm reading several books at once, which is not normal for me, but attention spans have waned. In over the course of the last year. So I'm reading How to Be an Anti-Racist by Ibram X. Kendi. Um, I'm reading Ladies Who Punch by Yasmin Aldehai Brown. Um, and then I'm also watching a lot of Shit's Creek because it's just funny and a bit mindless and there's loads of seasons on Netflix and uh, a little levity in these moments is, is really important. So it's a range of things. Sounds absolutely useful because I think it's important to not be too strict on ourselves. Also, in this in this particular time, to not it's it's okay to let go. It's just important to keep the balance. We've talked about it a lot uh, to really have have the balance. And and you know, if you only watch watch Netflix, then it's going to be a bit tricky. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, it gets a bit boring. All the Netflix, so you, you've got to do something else. <laughs> Exactly. I mean, I mean, you, you, you said there's the balcony and there's meanwhile, I think many people who give tips on how you can work out at home if you can't leave. If you're not as lucky as we in Norway are, we, we still have so many, so much forest that you basically just go outside the door and you still can't bother anybody. Um, so it's, it's, it's not everybody has that luxury. So there's lots of tips. We're jealous. Definitely I, jealous. I, I, you said it's the last question, but I have one last question. I'm just so curious. Is that okay? Go for it. Um, what would you, if there was one tip, you could give your younger self oh. back in time. You could pick the time and date and whatever. Uh, what what would it be? I think it would have to be boundaries. This is something that I've really been working on over the past year, especially as we're at home. And, you know, normally I give everything to my work and I'm kind of okay with it because you know, the events industry is not for the faint hearted, you know, on site days usually run 20 hours long, you're in high heels, and it's been nice to a lot of people for a very long time. So um, this year in particular has really taught me about boundaries. And I think if I if I was to say to my younger self, implement those earlier, make sure you have a better work life balance earlier, make sure that you let the right people in earlier. Uh, and trust the right people, these would have benefited me. Uh, so boundaries is, is the key word, I think. That's an excellent tip. 
Fawn Hutchins, VP of Global Content at Money 2020. Where can people find out about Money 2020? Uh, website, money2020.com. Everything that you need to know is there and you can find me on, on LinkedIn. It was an absolute pleasure to, to have you on our show. Thanks a lot for sharing your insights and your experience and your life story. If you enjoyed the, the podcast, uh, please subscribe. We're on all different platforms, Apple, Spotify. you find it also on our homepage, um, www.thecrisiscompass.com. And um, if you like it, you can even give us a review or leave a comment or get in touch with us. We're looking forward to hearing from you and please tune in in the next episode.